Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew with this sermon entitled Christian Discipleship, preached on October 1st, 1995. Now, if you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 16. I want to speak to you this morning about discipleship. Jesus said, follow me. What does this mean? We have been studying the book of Matthew and we learned that the hostility against Jesus has increased much. So Jesus takes his disciples to a place called Caesarea Philippi, about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. It is a beautiful locality at the foot of Mount Hermon, on the main source of the river Jordan. It may be the Old Testament town called Baal Gad, where Baal was worshipped. The Greeks later substituted their god Pan, and the town was known as Paneus. Herod the Great built a marble temple here in honor of Augustus Caesar who gave him this town. Herod's son Philip the Tetrarch further adorned the town, renaming it Caesarea Philippi to distinguish it from Caesarea of the Mediterranean coast. Today it is known as Banias. So Jesus took the disciples to this town and disclosed to them the work he was to do. So the first thing we want to look at is the commander who gave this command, follow me. The commander. The question is, who do you say that I am? Here Jesus asked the most important question everybody in the whole world must hear and answer. Who do you say that I am? Many called him, especially enemies, called him different names, pejorative names, Samaritan, Beelzebub, Glutton, Winebibber, Sinner. Others thought that Jesus was John the Baptist, or Elijah, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets who was raised to life again. But none of them knew who Jesus really was except the disciples. Of course, Jesus himself said before that he was certainly greater than Jonah, greater than Solomon, greater than the temple. To the question, who do you say that I am? Peter, representing the disciples, confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is the eternal Son of God who is incarnate as the Messiah. Jesus Christ is God-man. Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah for his people. But no one can know who Jesus is by research. 
And we know that very clearly. Look at the philosophers and the theologians who study very hard, read even the New Testament, but they fail to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And why is this? The person of Jesus Christ is hidden from all. And no one can know who he is unless the Father in heaven reveals this truth to those who are his. And we read about this especially in Matthew chapter 11. The Father hides this from the wise and prudent and reveals this great truth to the infants, to the chosen, to the elect. The Father revealed to the disciples who Jesus was. Therefore, Peter was able to confess correctly that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And now Jesus Christ, for the first time, reveals publicly the work he was to do. Of course Peter was completely ignorant of what Messiah was to do. He knew Jesus was the promised Messiah, the eternal son of God. But his view of the work of Messiah, work of Jesus Christ was completely false. It was the popular view. And the Bible says in Luke 16, what is popular in the world is abomination in the sight of God. His view was the popular view of the Messiah that was prevailing at the time among Israel. A Messiah who would come in great power to conquer all the enemies of Israel as David did long ago, and usher in a golden age of sustained peace, prosperity, security, independence for Israel. Peace and affluence. Messiah was to end all sufferings and shame of his people. Jesus, for the first time, reveals what he was going to do. He says, I must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed and on the third day to be raised. He must and why this must because of course it is the will of his heavenly father that is why he must. This revelation of a suffering Messiah shattered all the cherished hopes of Peter. Now let's look at the reaction of Peter. Peter in great arrogance, took Jesus aside and rebuked him. He lay o soy courier, who may estai soy tuto? He said, "May God have mercy on you, Lord. May this never ever happen to you." That's what he said. What arrogance! In this, Peter was praying against his own eternal salvation and praying for his own eternal damnation. He was praying that God's eternal purpose of saving his people through the sacrificial death of his own son may never happen. He was speaking for the devil 
who tempted Jesus in the same way for a crossless life in the wilderness. And at that time he told the devil, get away from me. This is the problem of all of us. We all want a Messiah. A troubleshooter. One who solves all our troubles. One who removes all our sufferings in this temporal world. One who guarantees us success in all our temporal endeavors. One who gives us material blessings. One who gives us powerful position in this world. One who gives us powerful friends. One who enhances our pleasure in this life. One who grants all our requests. One who heals all our diseases. One who gives us long life in this world so that we can enjoy a good life. One who guarantees happiness. Peter was looking for a Messiah who will guarantee him a good life in this temporal world. Like Peter, we are also bounded by the horizon of this temporal world unless the Holy Spirit open our eyes which are blinded by the God of this world. We are told in Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 unless the Spirit of God opens it. We do not see the world to come. We do not consider the eternally damning effects of sin. We do not consider heaven, hell. We do not consider our own death. We do not consider judgment to come. The perspective of the world to come is given us also by revelation. If our eyes are not open to the world to come, we will also use Jesus Christ and Christianity as an insurance policy for a crossless life. A good life here and now. We would not want Jesus to go to Jerusalem and die. We will join with Peter and say, May God have mercy on you, Lord. May this never ever happen to you. The reason for that is we do not like suffering. And let's look at the rebuke of Jesus Christ. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. And I would tend to interpret that. Get thee behind me, adversary. Peter, you have become an adversary, a Satan. But you don't tell me what to do. Isn't that our problem? We tell God what to do. God says, you don't tell me what to do. You must become a disciple. You must get behind me. I'm glad Jesus didn't say, get away. That's what he said to Satan, but not to Peter. And he says, your problem is you do not think the things of God. Isn't that our problem? Our mind is bounded by the horizon of this world. We are interested in a trouble-free good life. Froneo, that you do not think. May God help us. To break out of our own thinking. Our thinking is defective. Our thinking is self-centered. We are self-focused. Self-interested. We want to feel good about ourselves. Our mind is set on the things of this world. 
Peter, that's your problem. You have no conception of the kingdom of God and the world to come. You have no understanding of the eternal purpose of God. You have no understanding of the will of God. I understand the will of God. You are interested in self-preservation. Isn't that true of us? Most of our prayers hover around this atmosphere. Give me, give me, give me a good life. Troubleshoot my problems. Jesus will not be deterred by Satan or enemies or even by Peter from doing the will of God. God's eternal purpose of salvation of his elect through the death of his son will take place. Jesus loves the father. Jesus loves the father's will. Jesus delights in the will of the father. A will that sends his only son to the cross for his people. So we read in the book of Psalm chapter 40. Here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. I love it. I think about it. And I'm doing it. That is the purpose of incarnation. Jesus was incarnate in the fullness of time to do the will of his father. He will not listen to the selfish proposal of Peter. In God's order, suffering is now and glory later. Get thee behind me, adversary. You do not tell me what to do. My father tells me what to do. I follow my father. I am his disciple. And you, Peter, get behind me. I will tell you what to do. Even us. I, the Christ, the son of the living God, is the disciple of the father. You be my disciple and follow me. Once and for all, think of your soul and its eternal salvation. Break out of the boundaries of this world. There is no forgiveness of our sins without my death on the cross for you. If I do not go to Jerusalem and die, you and all the elect of God will be damned forever. But that will not happen. The eternal purpose of God is sure and certain. So I must go and die. So get rid of this idea of a crossless discipleship from your mind. If I, as Messiah, must go to the cross, you, as a disciple, must also go to your cross for my sake and the gospel. I promise you suffering now, but glory later. I promise you troubles, pain, shame, confiscation of your property, and martyrdom now, but glory later. Let's look at the command of this Commander, And this definition of discipleship appears at least six times in the Gospels. Twice in Matthew and twice in Luke and, and one time each in Mark and John. In other words, it is found everywhere in the Gospel. The call for discipleship is found everywhere. We cannot forget about it. Excuse it. And he says, if anyone wills to follow me, 
Discipleship is not forced upon anyone. It is a voluntary decision on the part of us. Nobody will follow Jesus, we know that, unless he is enabled by God himself. But following Jesus is voluntary. And every Christian who is truly born of God will follow him. It is the result of a willing, a decision. Nobody drifts into Christianity. It is the result of a decision. But this willing is the result of much thinking also. The cost of discipleship is clearly revealed by Christ. He said one must sit down and calculate and deliberate. Every true Christian is a disciple of Jesus. And discipleship is not a higher calling. Some people think that you are an ordinary Christian and then I am a disciple. No, no, no. Every Christian is a disciple. It is what every Christian is. He follows Jesus in his footsteps. But he does so after thinking and after willing. Christ is making a totalitarian demand. You must love him absolutely. You must love him more than father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, your own life. And you must give up everything you have. Putting it another way, you must hate everything else. This is not anything new. Let's look at Abraham. God tested Abraham in terms of his love for God. He was told to sacrifice his only son Isaac. And he did. Thus he demonstrated he loved God more than his own son. All must be sacrificed for Jesus Christ. Jesus promises and guarantees eternal life in the world to come. And he demands sacrifice of everything in this world. It is Jesus who said in the book of John chapter 12. The man who loves his life. Meaning temporal life in this world. More than Jesus. Will lose it. That is eternal damnation. Will come to him. While the man who hates his life in this world. Will keep it for eternal life. Think in other words. Decide. Follow me. Secondly, Jesus says in his demand, deny yourself. This denial is also a voluntary act of love. And every Christian will deny himself. Deny means I once for all refuse the demands of my own desires. Deny means I say no to my own desires. Let's look at what pagans do and what we were doing in our pagan life. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, as unbelievers, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying, fulfilling the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Unbeliever never denies himself. He is a slave to his sinful desires. He lives to fulfill those desires. Paul says in Ephesians 4, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. 
that is the nature of an unbeliever. He denies nothing. A disciple died to sin. We are told, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see why we deny ourselves? Because we love Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. So we consider ourselves, Paul says, dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus And he says to Titus, for the grace of God, that's Jesus Christ, that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. If you are a Christian, grace teaches you and teaches me, Jesus Christ, the commander, teaches you and teaches me what? To say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this world. Yes, we have to say no to myself and my desires and my demands and say yes to Jesus Christ and his will and his desires and his demands. It is an ongoing thing. And not only that, we are told we have to take up our cross. And let's understand this. Everyone has a cross This is also a voluntary act. The criminal had no such choice. He was forced to take the cross beam upon which he was crucified and killed. But because a disciple loves Jesus who died for him for his eternal salvation, he freely and voluntarily takes the cross to suffer for Christ and the gospel. A true disciple will not seek a life of ease. He understands life in this world is not suffering free. No matter which evangelist and which preacher preached that stupid idea, believe in Jesus Christ so you will be insured from all troubles. That's the dominant evangelical idea. But it is counter to what Jesus Christ preached. As the world treated Christ, it will treat those who are his. Peter initially refused to follow Jesus. He refused to take up the cross. We know that he denied Christ three times. He hated sufferings and death like us. But Jesus prayed for him. His faith did not therefore fail. He was restored. He expressed his love for Jesus. And Jesus prophesied that you will confess me and you will be martyred. So we see him being flogged by the Sanhedrin for his faith in Jesus, but he rejoiced at his suffering. He said that he is glad that he was counted worthy of suffering disgrace for his name. Then he wrote to the early disciples in 1 Peter chapter 1, But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. For what? For suffering. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. In this world, suffering is our lot. 
So Peter confessed a good confession and lost his life by crucifixion in AD 64 at the hand of Nero. But he gained eternal life. He died to live. So did Stephen, James, and Paul, and hundreds of thousands of others throughout the history of the church until this very day. How many Christians are dying? How many Christians are going out as refugees? How many Christians whose properties have been confiscated? We don't see anything like this because we live in this country. We have no idea. Therefore, a lot of people are in the church who are not true Christians because we have no troubles and we have no pain and we have no shame. We have no problem. And so we make a decision and we come to church. Look at the command again. You must take up your cross daily. We must take this cross daily till the day of our death. Daily we must say no to ourselves and yes to Christ. Daily we must lose our life by confessing Jesus Christ. And then he says you have to follow me. This is speaking about a following Jesus that is continuous. Akolutetum moi. A present active imperative. Keep on following me. A true disciple like Elisha has said goodbye to everything to follow Elijah. To follow the God of Elijah wherever he goes. We do not lead him. We never get ahead of him. He leads us. Where he leads me, I will follow. I will follow all the way. I have no other plan. I have no other desire. I have no other idea. I have no other agenda. I think the thoughts of Christ, I desire the desires of Christ, I will the will of Christ. I go where he goes. In one sense, we died with Christ, buried with Christ, raised with Christ, ascended with Christ, and seated with Christ already. In another sense, we are following Christ in his footsteps here and now. This is what we mean by being led by the Spirit of God. We are born of the Spirit. We are indwelt by the Spirit. We are daily being led by the Spirit. And the Spirit leads us in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. A true disciple never complains about the leading. Why? He rejoices to follow Jesus Christ. To be led by the Spirit. Why? He leads us away from eternal damnation. He leads us, yes, through the waters, through the valley of the shadow of death, through the flood and through the fires, but he leads us to everlasting life. He who is not a true disciple lives for this world, yet he does not know what is going to happen to this world. His understanding is bounded, as I said, by the horizon of this world. But listen to what the Bible says about this present world. Listen. In the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth. Psalm 102. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish. But you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. 
like clothing, you will change them and they will be discarded. And Isaiah 34, we read all the stars of the heavens will be dissolved and the sky rolled up like a scroll. All the starry host will fall like withered leaves from the vine, like shriveled figs from the fig tree. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, those who use the things of this world are safe, not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. Second Corinthians 4, we read, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen. That was Peter's problem. But on what is unseen. Now, he gives the reason for it. For what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. And Peter says in Second Peter chapter 3, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. And John the Apostle said, Do not love the world or anything in the world. The world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. And in the book of Revelation chapter 21 we read, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. Think about it. And think about also the reason that Jesus Christ says, he says it is stupid for a man to live for this world, he says. He uses the language of business, he says, what is it profit? If you gain the whole world and its position and its power and its glory and its possessions, maybe not only the planet earth, but the whole cosmos. Think about it. What does it profit if you gain the whole world and if you lose your soul, that is, if you go to hell? And then he says, what can you give in exchange for your souls? I want you to go home and read 49, the psalm. And it says you cannot give anything for the redemption of your soul. You are a fool, man. If you live for this world, you are a fool, man. If you live for possessions and positions and power and pleasure and peace, Jesus Christ is reasoning with them. Think, man, think, think, think. I feel pity for you if you want to preserve your life in this world. I pity you if you cannot see the world to come. There is a world that is coming. There is a new world coming in which dwells the righteous and righteousness. And so, thirdly, we want to speak about the coming. The commander, the command, and the coming of the Messiah. There is a new world order. And the United Nations cannot usher this in. No president of this country can usher this New world order, they all use language. They are lying. Believe me, they are lying. They all are liars. But there is a new world order. There is 
glory coming when the Messiah returns this earth. If you suffer with him, you shall reign with him, we are told. All those who lose their present life will find it. Jesus says when Christ comes and he's going to come in the glory of his father, he is come with the angels and he, we are told he is coming to reward. And how is he going to reward? According to praxis, according to the deeds. Not the phoniness of people. The issue is what have you done? He's going to sift our deeds. You go home and read Revelation chapter 20. This is happening in that chapter. He says, if you are ashamed of me here and now, I'll be ashamed of you when I come in the glory of my Father with angels as the judge and savior of the world. He will be ashamed of some, but he'll be delighted in those who lost their lives for Christ and his gospel. There is going to be a new world order where we will be honored and glorified by him who is king of kings and lord of lords. When you look at the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, we discover all those people listed therein were people who looked forward to this great new grand world order that is coming. Let me read to you from verse 10 of Hebrews 11. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And verse 16. Instead they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. There's a new world order coming. Moses understood this. And we are told about Moses in Hebrews 11. Let me read to you from verse 24. By faith Moses when he had grown up refused. That's what denial is all about. Refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. Rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace now for the sake of Christ. As of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Think about it. Think about it. Oh, but where there were others, let's look at Esau. He easily sold this birthright. He despised it. He sold it. And he said, what does this mean to me? Nothing. I am a person who likes to live a good life. I want to gratify my desires here and now. Take it. Give me the soup. And look at Mrs. Lot. She was almost brought into the kingdom of God, but she turned around. No! I like this world and its pleasure and its possessions and its power and its might. And look at Mrs. Job. But she said, curse God and die. 
This is always the counsel of Satan to every one of us. Look at Judas. Like Peter, he also looked forward a political Messiah who will enhance his position and power and possessions in the world. And he found out this one is not going to do it. And he said, all right, I'm going to sell you for 30 pieces of silver. And look at Demas in the Bible. We are told, Demas, abandon me, says Paul, having loved this present world. Isn't that our problem? Isn't that our problem? What is the problem? The problem is we want a troubleshooter, an insurance policy, a Messiah who will massage us and never make us unhappy, always will do our will, and he will always follow me. That's what we are looking for, and we get all unhappy and miserable when things are not working out that way. Do you hate suffering? Do you rebuke Jesus and say, don't go to the cross? Do you use Jesus and Christianity for a trouble-free life? Is your mind bound by the world, this world categories only? Let me ask you, are you seeking honor and power and possessions and, and pleasure and peace and good life in this world? I say to you, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, who gives you a whole new world. Grace Valley Christian Center is committed to the unchanging truths of the Holy Scriptures. We have been proclaiming the whole counsel of God since 1974 through our weekly worship services, our website resources, and our publishing ministry. For more information about our church, to find more edifying sermons, or to order books by the Rev. P.G. Matthew, please visit our website at gracevalley.org.